1: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. This morning I'm going to go through some of your questions that you posted on my Instagram story uh, the other day. Go through and answer those. I've got about six questions here. I haven't really planned out answers. I've obviously read them uh, and I, I've isolated certain ones. We're going to do two or three of these over the next two days and answer as many of your questions as I can. The six that I've got today, uh, the first one is from D Safley. He says, thoughts on Francis Molo, the next enforcer at the Dragons. The next one is from Bradley of Halos sports fame, of punter and dribble fame. I know you don't follow a team, but what team did you go for as a kid? Interesting question there. We'll get stuck into that. Jared Jenkins asks, more important position nowadays, half or fullback? Really interesting one there. Zach9548 says, hot take, Paul Vaughan, most underrated signing for season 2022. An interesting one there. Matty Q, Matty, I hope you're well, brother. Hope all is going well down there. He says, top five games that you've witnessed Live have to have a think about that one. And CJBXRN3Y says Dolphins sign Anthony Milford, Brodie Croft, and Kalon Ponga. A good six, seven, and. One. Let's get into those questions. Kick off with the first one here from D. Safley. Thank you for your question, mate. I thoroughly appreciate it. Thoughts on Frank Molo, the next enforcer at the Dragons? Look, I wouldn't say he's the next enforcer, but I actually uh, I did mention Francis Molo on the Weekly Rubdown podcast just a couple of nights ago. I think it dropped yesterday morning on the uh, Rugby League Guru podcast, and I actually spoke about him as a little bit of a smoky. Now, do I think this year he's going to become an enforcer at the Dragons? I probably don't. I think he's got that potential long-term. I actually think this is one of the more, un, you know, the Dragons have obviously made a heap of signings, sort of headlined by Moses M'Bai, Moses Suli, these sort of guys. But I'll tell you what, Francis Molo, he could be a real smokey as a very, very good signing. I've always liked him up at the North Queensland Cowboys when he got his opportunity in the Origin Arena. I didn't think he let them down in any way, shape, or form. I thought he was pretty damn solid. He's also a very different front rower to. To what they have. When you have a look at all the front rowers at the Dragons at the moment, you know, Jack DeBell and George Burgess, uh, Blake Laurie, these sort of guys, they don't really have that explosive guy. Aaron Wood, they don't really have that explosive guy in their front row. They don't have, you know, a Mo Fuddle Waker, a Payne Haas, you know, a Takiyaho, one of these guys. And this is where I think... Francis Molo could be a real point of difference for them so do I see him exploding this year? Probably not but I think he's going to be a little bit more important than what people are assuming. I see a lot of teams that don't feature him and I understand that because there are so many good front rowers at that club. you got Josh Kerr as well which you assume they'll play as a middle but I just think Francis Molo can offer something that none of the other middle forwards can offer there at the St. George Illawarra Dragons so mate I, I agree I think he is really one to keep an eye on. I don't know if he'll be the next enforcer at the Dragons. I'm not sure if he's, he's an enforcer uh, kind of guy. When, when I think enforcers, you know, I think James Fisher-Harris, I think Joey Tapanay. I don't think he's going to be that level, but I think he's going to be more of like an explosive front row with a heap of upside. I really like this signing by the Dragons. I'm surprised that more people aren't talking about him. On the rubdown, I said, look, there's so many mouths to feed. It's very hard to see a world where one of these Dragons front rowers goes for 55 or 60 minutes. I think they'll share it around it a lot, especially if Jack Bird plays 13 and they push Jack to. Debel- into the front row, which is possible. It's not what I would do, uh, but it is possible. Then I just don't see many guys getting, you know, 55-plus minutes. Uh, Jack DeBellin will probably be the guy with the most hope of doing it. So Francis Molo, supercoach-wise, I don't think he's going to get the minutes to uh, have a big season for them as far as supercoach and everything goes. But I did say to the boys that they had a couple of injuries, or if they, you know, they, I just think they're going to be a very vanilla forward pack, especially through the middle. They've got four or five front rowers that are exactly the same as each other. It becomes really easy to defend. There isn't a heap of upside there. Uh, a Francis Molo thrown into the mix really could be anything. So I like this shout, mate. He's one that I'll be keeping a very close eye on. I think he could be a smoky as potentially their best buy uh, in the forward pack. Obviously Moses and and Moses Sully will be right up there. I, I think Sully could be absolutely anything if they get his head straight. But just keep an eye on Molo. I think he could be a really good signing for them. So thank you, Dee Safley. Really good question there, mate. And I'm pretty high on him, as are you. Fingers crossed you're right. And he does uh, fulfill his potential because he's had it for so long. We just haven't seen it at the Cowboys. But... You know, we have seen a number of forwards underachieve at the Cowboys, I would argue, Jason Taumalolo over the last two or three years, realistically. So interesting to see him with another opportunity. I'm very high on him, though, mate. Uh, The next one comes from Bradley. He, of course, is a big-timer in the Hello Sports world and the punters and dribblers world. So, Bradley, thank you for reaching out, mate. Always appreciate uh, your comments and stuff. His one is, I know you don't follow a team, but what team did you go for as a kid? Really interesting one here. I don't follow a team now. I think people find that hard to believe, but uh, it is the reality of the situation. I think you can tell uh, by my commentary on each and every team that I'm not really favoured to any particular side. Um, I think I, I always get sort of you know, pumped by people saying, "Oh, you go for this team, or you go for that team," and you know, I, there's not really much I can say to defend myself there. But I think if you look through the history of the Rugby League Guru Instagram page and podcast, you can see that you know, a, a, even a team like the Melbourne Storm, I've tipped them to win the last three premierships in a row. People tell me I'm a Melbourne Storm fan, but I am worried about them now. I've been pretty open about that. That I think it's going to be a very interesting time. I'm not tipping them to win the comp next year. Um, you know, so I, I'm not sure where people get that idea from. I've had people say I'm a rooster fan, a Rabbitohs fan, Panthers fan, funnily enough, I'm not sure if you remember, but the start of last year, I said the Panthers wouldn't be able to win this premiership. I thought they'd, they'd fall apart a little bit at the start of the season, so... I don't have a team at the moment. If you you made me explain who I went for as a kid, it was even a bit strange then. I sort of went for players. So Brad Fittler, Andrew Johns, Darren Lockyer, they were my three favorite players by a country mile. I love Stacey Jones as well, but those three, I love watching them. If Joey was playing Lockyer, I'd go for Joey. Uh, if Joey was playing Freddie though I'd probably go for Freddie and if Freddie was playing Lockie I'd go for Freddie Freddie was definitely my favourite I've said before that my old man was a member uh, at the SFS so I grew up as a kid going to the SFS every weekend watching footy and at the age I was at Brad Fittler was always the star of the show he was the Australian captain he was the New South Wales captain so as a kid I loved watching Freddie play Um, so I mean I wouldn't call myself a Roosters fan of course but I did enjoy watching Freddie play and if Freddie would have moved clubs uh, I would have probably followed him there in, in in watching that team a lot. But I wouldn't say I was a supporter of that team. Um, I remember when I was watching Brad Fittler in his last year, we knew it was going to be his last year, and I would always watch the reserve grade as well. There was a halfback playing in that team that I really liked. I loved the look at him. He kicked a couple of field goals from halfway to win games, and I just loved his, his, his kicking game as well. It just impressed me so much week in, week out. He was playing for Newtown at that point. Of course, it was a young Jamie Soward, and uh, he moved to the Dragons. A couple couple of years later and Freddie had retired by that point and Lockie was sort of at the back end of his career, Joey retired, so I sort of followed Jamie Soward a little bit and watched his career unfold because I watched so much of him in reserve grade Um, so you know, when when Soward won that 2010 Grand Final, I was incredibly proud um, for him, it was a sensational effort and you know, I sort of followed Soward during that period, I followed him on his way to Penrith and just kept track of his career Um, so like, I wouldn't say I'm a Roosters, Dragons or Penrith fan, but I did keep track of those players that I always sort of had as my favourites, my kind of guys now, I love watching Cam Munster, Play. I love watching Victor Radley play Cam Murray. I'm a huge fan of probably Supercoach has played a bigger role in it. If I had to pick someone that I go for week in, week out, it'd probably be whoever my Supercoach captain is in draft that weekend. That's probably the fucking team I'm going for. Uh, genuinely don't have a team. Genuinely didn't have a team when I was a kid either, really. Just sort of followed um, players. And my mates will probably tell you that I followed this team or that team, but it always related back to... The players that were in that team, and I was—I would change in a split second. And uh, I know people aren't a fan of that, and I, I would never push back on that. Uh, but that's just the reality of how I've always operated. Never really had my own team. Uh, In the NFL, I have my own team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, But outside of that, it's probably only the New South Wales Blues. That's the only time in rugby league where I genuinely say I'm a fan of a team because you have to pick a state, fucking surely. Cannot go for Queensland, no doubt there. Uh, But, yeah, mate, that's sort of how it played out for me. Didn't really have a team as a kid. Still went for players similar uh, to how I'm doing it nowadays, which I know rattles people and they find it unbelievable. But... Uh, just the way I am. Thank you for that one, Bradley. Appreciate that one. Our next one is from Jared Jenkins. He says, most important position halfback or fullback? Really interesting one and I I would still argue halfback to be honest with you um, and I know that's probably hard to argue coming off Tom Trevojevic's greatest season ever. Uh, if you put Tommy Turbo in any team ever, playing the form he was in last year, you could argue the most important position uh, is fullback on the field. I still think there's a really good argument that Hooker uh, can be the most important position on the field, but I, I would I would have to pick out of those three, hooker, half back, or fullback for me is the most important positions on the field and it depends on who is in those positions. I don't think it depends on the position. It depends on who is in the position. For example, I look at the Penrith Panthers, and I'm sure this is sort of the point that Jared's trying to make. I think he actually sent me a a follow-up message off the back of this that I remember, but I can't find it now. Uh, Nathan Cleary, for example, the Penrith Panthers, I don't think there's any doubting that he's the most important player on the field. Uh, I would then argue the next most important is probably Isaiah Yo. Uh, I would then probably argue James Fisher-Harris. One thing I'm noticing here is that I haven't named Dylan Edwards yet, Yeah, and I don't think I could put Dylan Edwards in my top three players at Penrith, even though he's incredibly important to their system. Whereas I look at Manly, and I've got to put Tommy Turbo at number one. There's no doubt about that. I go to the Roosters, I've probably got to put Teddy as number one. But for me, I think you can get by with a non-superstar fullback in your side, but you need a good seven. You don't need a superstar seven. Sort of same situation, but I think your seven and your organization is really important in the modern game, and that's probably a little bit old school, and maybe we are moving away from that. Five years ago, I wouldn't have even considered this question, to be honest with you. Um, I would have said halfback by a country mile, Uh, but I do think the gap has closed a little bit, but for me, I still take halfback. I still take the kicking game. I mean, when when you look at highlights of the modern game, you would say fullback straight away. But when you think about the organization and where our team needs to be on the field, our kicking game, everything that goes into it, I think it still has to be halfback, mate. So I I would take the seven. Uh, You look at the team that just won the competition. For me, it is the halfback. You look at the team that went 19 in a row this year, the Melbourne Storm. There's an argument there. I love Pappenhausen, but I would probably say Jerome Hughes a little bit more important to that side, realistically. Uh, so, yeah, plenty of arguments there, mate. DCE, obviously, if you're going to name Turbo as the most important player at Manly, DCE would not be far behind. If you're going to name Tedesco as the most important player at the Sydney Roosters, Luke Keary would have to be pretty close to him. You look at all the teams at the bottom of the ladder that are sort of struggling. What do they all lack? It's a halfback. Some of them have really good fullbacks. I mean, the Cowboys had Val Holmes. He was a premier fullback a couple of years ago. You all told me he was anyway. Uh, they've now moved him to centre because it wasn't working. They're on the hunt for a halfback. They've signed Deirdre and they've signed Townshead. Uh, it's the one problem that I look at Canterbury and I think they're just lacking a seven. They're just lacking someone to play in that role. So I think there's a pretty strong argument there. You, you look at the Dragons last year when they were playing really well. It was off the back of Ben Hunt. Uh, He was the best player on the field every week. So I would still lean to halfback, but if you said to me it's fullback, mate, I really couldn't push back on you all that much. But for me, I will still take the seven jersey. Thank you, Jared. Great question there. Next one's from Zach9548. Another forward to keep an eye on. Hot take. Paul Vaughan, most underrated signing for season 2022. Zach, I don't mind this one, to be honest with you, mate. It depends how he comes out and plays. If Paul Vaughan gets back to his form from a couple of years ago where he was running around for the Kangaroos and running around for the Blues and dominating, Uh, it will definitely be the most underrated signing for season 2022. I've said it a number of times, the thing that I like about this Paul Vaughan signing is that he's got his back against the wall. Paul Vaughan either pulls his finger out and sorts himself out this year and plays great footy for Canterbury or I personally think he's going to end up in the Super League. He's been through a couple of clubs now, Canberra, the Dragons, he obviously left the Dragons with a bit of embarrassment uh, tail between his legs, which I actually like. I think Paul Vaughan maybe needed that a little bit. I think he sort of needed a bit of a wake-up call. Uh, he became a Kangaroos front rower and a New South Wales Blues front rower out of nowhere essentially. I think people that have watched him in Canberra knew that he was being underutilised there, but I don't think anyone anticipated him to be playing for the Kangaroos within two years of leaving Canberra, so it all came very quickly, Uh, the big money contract came very quickly, and personally I don't know Paul Vaughan, I know know from talking to Kempi that he seems like a champion fellow seems like a great guy, but for me from the outside looking in, I would argue that Paul Vaughan got a little bit comfortable, and uh, he probably needed to have his pants pulled down, and I would say that Paul Vaughan would probably admit to that, to be honest with you, so I'm very excited to see how he goes, as I said, if it's not going to be performed well at Canterbury, I think he's probably going to England, and his NRL could be over very quickly, so with that hanging over his head yeah. <laughs> Mate, it might inspire him to get back and to find the form that he showed a couple of years ago where he was arguably the best front rower in our game. If he wasn't the best, I think you would have had to have him in the top five at absolute worst when he was playing his best footy. So Paul Vaughan, very excited for him. Really good opportunity for him to turn everything around. Uh, He's made all the right noises since he made his mistakes, since he got sacked. So hopefully we can see the actions back it up on the field. And if he does, what a win for Trent Barrett and the Canterbury Bulldogs. That will be absolutely massive. We saw in the All-Stars game the other night, I said it on Bloke in a Bar a few times, if you've got the two best front rowers on the field, my God, you have just got such an advantage in the game of Rugby League. And if Canterbury can get the best out of Paul Vaughan and pair him up with Luke Thompson, there's not going to be many days where they're not going to have the two best front rowers on the field, and it's going to be massive for them. So really excited for for Paul Vaughan, mate. Really excited for Canterbury getting him. Hopefully you're right. Hopefully he plays his best footy, and we can look back and say, wow, what an underrated signing For season 2022, Paul Vaughan, when he was on the canvas, Canterbury pick him up and they get the very best out of him. It could be anything. I'm really excited to watch Paul Vaughan. I'm a little bit nervous about it. I'm not hyper confident he's going to come back and absolutely kill it, but I think he will do well and I hope... I hope that we get back to the old Paul Vaughan. I think it'll be a great story for Rugby League. Thank you, Zach. Appreciate that one. Next one's from Matty Q. He says, top five games you've witnessed live. Yeah, pretty crazy, mate. I've been to a lot of grand finals, uh, so they would be right up there for me. Been to a couple of Origins as well. Um, I won't name them in any particular order because that's going to be near impossible to do off the top of my head. But games that come to mind for me, um, I remember in 2004, I was at game three where Freddie charged down in his last ever State of Origin game Darren Lockyer put in a kick from about his own 30 metre line Freddie it down the ball floated in the air and was the only one near the ball and you could just tell that that ball was going to sit up to him and as Freddie tended to do, he got the perfect bounce, just fell straight into his chest. Billy Slater tried to chase him down, just missed him with an ankle tap and Freddie scored an incredible try that night to bring the curtain down on his origin career. Had a pretty handy game, a handy series just quietly coming back in game two there, I think it was. Uh, So that was an incredible one to be there for, especially as as a Brad Fittler fan as I am, as you guys know. That was incredible. Um, A game that is sort of, it wasn't
0: Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post.
1: But good God, it was close and it was tight and there was so much of emotion there that night. It was also a couple of months later, I was at the 2004 Grand Final, the Roosters taking on the Canterbury Bulldogs. That was Freddie's last ever NRL game. Of course, he didn't get the chocolates that night. He set up an unbelievable try to Chris Walker that I can't believe people don't talk about more. Uh, sort of a left foot screw kick to hit Chris Walker on the full. Uh, incredible stuff there. But then Matt Uty in the second half brained it. Shifty Sherwin, we had him on the podcast. He was unbelievable. I would still argue that the noise I heard when that siren went from the Canterbury fans is the loudest noise I have ever heard I've been to a number of grand finals I've seen a number of unbelievable moments that noise though I don't know it's just always sat with me it's just different the year before that I was lucky enough to beat the grand final watch Scott Sattler's tackle that was an unbelievable moment to see Uh, fast forward a couple of years I remember being at the 2012 grand final watching Cooper Cronk throw One of my favourite passes in NRL history to Billy Slater against the Canterbury Bulldogs to score an unbelievable try in that game. That was a surreal little moment. That was unbelievable. Um, I remember watching 2008. I want us 2008 it was when the Manly Seagulls won 40-0 when when uh, Beaver, Steve Menzies, scored his try. That was a pretty incredible moment. That was crazy to be there for. Uh, 2015 obviously stands out. Uh, I was there, you know, I, I remember when when Thurston took that conversion on the sideline. I was, I was up in the nosebleeds, but I was directly behind him. It, it's like I was seeing... Exactly what Jonathan Thurston was seeing for that moment when he took the goal from the sideline and and, you know I would have when it was in the air same as JT I would have bet my house that that ball was going to go over Uh, to then be there an extra time that was a pretty crazy moment Um, also after it I was talking to someone the other day about this I can't remember who it was but I was saying that like you know, normally after grand final, you go to that pub across the road and there's stinks and there's shit going on everywhere. I remember being at the bar and like Cowboys people in, you know, people in Cowboys jerseys would go and buy a drink and you'd have know, Brisbane Broncos people coming up behind them and stretching over their shoulder and paying for their drinks and saying, congratulations. It was just a surreal feeling and a, a post-match that I've never really seen before to be honest with you. So that moment was crazy 2014 and 2016 watching the Rabbitohs, obviously when Greg Inglis scored that try, that was incredible watching that last play of the 2016 Grand Final between the Cronulla Sharks and the Melbourne Storm where you know, it was just. I, I remember just being out there and, and watching it live and just thinking, Cronulla cannot possibly defend this. Cronulla, they have got all of their players essentially on the right-hand side of the sticks, and you've got Billy Slater, Cam Smith, Cooper Cronk on the field. Like, How can they possibly defend this? And they just found a way. It was incredible. You go back and you watch it on, on the TV screen now, and you see all 13 of the Cronulla Sharks players on the screen at the same time, and they still manage to defend the Melbourne Storm in the 80th minute. It's a moment I'll never forget. Um, Seeing the Roosters go back-to-back, 18-19, pretty impressive. Some very, very unbelievable moments from Luke Keery in both those games that I'll never forget. Seeing Cooper Cronk just monitor that grand final with one arm, uh, a moment I'll never forget, and one that I'll be very, very happy that I was there for. Uh, the 2021 Grand Final, obviously the Penrith Panthers, I wasn't at that game. I wish I was because I think it could be the start of something special. That's one I'm very upset that I wasn't at. Um, other rep games that I've been there for, I was there the night that James Sedesco scored that try in the State of Origin Decider. I think it was only two or three years ago. Uh, I think it was Mitch Pearce threw the pass over to, over to Furgo and he found uh, James Tedesco on the inside to win Origin. After growing up watching Mark Coyne score that try, what feels like a Ten billion times uh, to see the New South Wales Blues get one back on Queensland. Uh, That was a pretty incredible moment to be there for. Uh, Another one that I'll always remember is uh, I can't remember what year it was. I want to say 2007 maybe. Might have been 06. I was at the SFS the night that it was the Tri-Nations final and Thurston did his trademark dummy, went through an extra time and found Lockie. He scored under the sticks to win it. It was 2006, sorry, because later that year I was at the grand final when Lockie kicked the field goal against Melbourne Storm to win the 06 championship. Um, And earlier in the year, he'd of course taken the intercept against Brett Hodgson to win the Origin Series there. So, you know... Lockyer captained the Origin winning um, series team. He captained the Broncos, the NRL Premiership, and then I saw him score the try to win the Tri-Nations as well. Uh, unbelievable moment. Uh, speaking of Lockyer, I was also there. I drove up to Newcastle for his last ever test match in Australia. I think he went over to England and might have played a few, uh, but it was definitely his last test match uh, in Australia. I think it was his last game in Australia as well, and um, the Kangaroos really gave it to them. I think they beat them 30 to 6. It's funny, I don't even remember the tries that the Kangaroos scored that day, but I remember the one that the Kiwis scored because Kevin Locke got it from dummy half about 30 metres out and just made all the kangaroos look like they were witches hats. Such an incredible player, Kevin Locke. Um, Look, I've I've spoken for this question for so long on this one, Matty Q. Mate, I hope I gave you some pretty good ones. I'm sure there's a heap of moments uh, that I've that I've forgotten as well but just so many incredible moments that I've been there live for for the last 10 or 15 years these grand finals I've been pretty fucking wasted for all of them too so probably don't have the greatest memory of those but they would be the ones that stand out on the last one I would probably throw in there would be Benji Marshall's flick um, just a crazy moment to be there for that was incredible it's part of rugby league folklore and to think it's that was 2005 and here I am in Twenty Twenty One, watching him play in another NRL Grand Final, uh, just unbelievable stuff. So, thank you for that question, uh, Matty Q, mate. I hope everything's doing well down there. I hope the family's going well too, my man. Thank you for your question. Last one comes from CG. B-X-R-N-3-Y. Is it Barnsey? I've got no idea what that is. Uh, Dolphins sign Milf, Croft, and KP. Is it a good 7-6-1? and one? Um, I'm not sure if you're taking the piss out of me here or not, but I'll run with this one. I'll pretend like you are serious. I'm not a huge fan of this one, if you didn't clue onto that in the early bits. Uh, for me, I, I would like the KP signing. I think he would do really well under Wayne Bennett. The Milford one, I don't mind either. Um, I think they can probably do a little bit better elsewhere, but... We know that Wayne Bennett, he has got the very best of Anthony Milford in the past, so I'm not going to put it past him to do it once again with Milford. I actually like this question more and more. I think about it, but I think it's about to take a big right-hand turn. Um, The Brodie Croft one, I don't understand, to be honest with you, mate. Um, I I said the day that he let go, like teams shouldn't build their side around players that the Melbourne Storm choose they don't need. Now, they they didn't decide that they didn't want... Brody Croft because he had a better offer somewhere else, they had other guys to replace him and stuff. Two weeks out before the final series, Craig Bellamy said, I'm going to move a fullback to halfback and let Brody Croft not, and, and push Brodie Croft out of this side. Uh, he arrived at Brisbane and it sort of, you know, it, it definitely went worse than what I anticipated, but I was never overly convinced on Brodie Croft, to be honest with you. Uh, so yeah, even bringing him back, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see him have a few more years in England than maybe consider it, but uh, it's a lot of pressure on a guy that, uh, got a lot of bad raps up in Queensland to bring him back. And whether you like it or not, if you're the halfback, you're one of the faces of that team. And I just don't see it working personally. And I don't think it'd be great for Brodie Croft or the Dolphins. So not overly keen on that one. If they got Milford and they got Ponga, they would have to find a good seven to partner up with those guys. We have seen Anthony Milford without a good seven next to him. And it isn't pretty. You need to find the right guy to play at halfback if you're to back Milford in. I like the KP signing though. If they do get their paws on him, Here's one that I will be very excited about. But I only don't like this suggestion, mate, because of the Brodie Croft thing. And I also don't like Anthony Milford with Brodie Croft. And fuck, if you've got Brodie Croft, who's in my opinion, isn't probably up to it, then you've got Anthony Milford, who doesn't have a halfback next to him that's up to it, which probably means an Anthony Milford isn't up to it. Fuck, that puts a lot of pressure on on Caelan Ponger. I feel like I'm kind of watching that scenario in Newcastle at the moment, mate. As individuals, I like Milf. I think he's got a lot to offer under Wayne Bennett. I like KP. I think he's got a huge future still, despite what people say about him and despite people thinking that I don't like him. I just think he, he needs to leave Newcastle, and I think he will. Uh, but the Brodie Croft one is probably where you lose me, mate, because it has an impact on Anthony Milford, and it will have an impact on Caelan Ponga. They need a certain guy uh, to be playing in the halves or to be in the halves for them to be successful. Thank you to those guys, six fellas, that sent me those brilliant questions. Hope you enjoyed this one. I probably sh- talked a bit of shit there for a little bit too much time on Maddie's question about my favourite games I've been at, but had a little re- re- reminisce moment there. I almost forgot I had a microphone in front of me. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed those six questions guys we will have more of those coming over the next 24 hours or so we will also have a deep analysis of all the other trial teams that have been named so stay tuned for that we went through the first four teams yesterday worth going back and having a listen to that later today we'll have a few more of those sides we might break it down into a few parts for you